Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. The marvelous galaxy. The uh, Disney, yeah. Welcome to the marvelous galaxy of Disney, where every week we bring you the latest news in Marvel, Star Wars, and Disney. This is Sean. And this is Alan. <laughs> are you mocking me? <laughs> and we are so excited to bring you this news this week, because as always, we have a full schedule. I know, there's always something new with Disneyland. Yeah. Or Disney. Yeah. And Marvel. Yeah. In Star Wars. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest one that I want to talk about, I'm kind of excited about this. Um, Marvel Comics is celebrating its 80th anniversary of Captain America by adding, I'll start by saying this, he is an alternate universe Captain America. He is a brand new character named Aaron Fisher. He is a teenager. He debuts in the Marvel Universe on June 2nd of this year. Oh, wait, did I forget to mention he's gay? We are getting oh. a gay Captain America for Pride Month. Oh, and it coincides with Pride. That's awesome. How do you feel about this? I think it's great. I know. Um, you just said it's awesome, and then I asked you how you felt. So. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not listening to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. But, yeah, I mean, that's he's going to be played by Chris Evans, though, right? Because they confirmed that he's coming back to the MCU. How dare you? <laughs> okay, so just recently, Kevin Feige said, no, he's not. So we're sorry, listeners. It's so hard. I feel like Marvel is the one who gives us, like, big news and it's later, like, debunked. Blame it on Marvel. I do. Mainly MCU, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when the original news hit, Chris Evans put out news to me, and a lot of people still thought that, well, it's been announced, so we're still going to see. And, like, these rumors got so detailed. It even detailed, like, Chris Evans will be in three movies and make a guest appearance of this and that. And it turns out that uh, it's officially be been debunked by both Kevin Feige and Chris Evans that he will not be appearing in the MCU for the foreseeable future. I wonder if there's just a bunch of, like, Marvel tro trolls out there that just makes random rumors and just spreads it out. Yeah, and um, I'm that idiot who initially reads it and gets super excited. There was one thing, <laughs> like, <laughs> when um, Sony and Marvel were fighting over Spider-Man in the movies, somebody put out this whole thing about how they've made amends, and there's, like, six movies coming out. One of them will feature... Firestar and Iceman and I totally like like an idiot I bought into it. I was so excited and then it took me like an hour to be like wait <laughs> I remember those articles and I was like these people who believe it okay so next <laughs> next I have um, some exciting news we're gonna visit a lonely little island called Krakoa and if you're familiar it's the home of the mutants currently so Right off the bat, one of my comic books, I say one of because I frequent a lot of comic book stores and they all know me. So yeah. one of my comic book stores, The Realm in Orange County, they have a new game. Like it wasn't even out on Amazon at that point. I don't know if it is now. I haven't searched today, but it hasn't been for the last week. It's called X-Men Mutant Insurrection. This game is so cool. 
if you're an X-Men fan, I need you to, like, put our podcast on pause or just start a new window. And or, go- no, just, just keep on listening to whatever <laughs> so that we get, you know, the complete. So that would be great. Thanks. That's true. Um, you can be so many people. I think there's, I want to say about 16 characters. It might be 12. But all that matters is Jubilee. Yeah, Jubilee's in it. It's got some randos, and it's got some ones that you would expect to be there. Like, I'm going to, um, spoiler alert, you can't be Psylocke or <laughs> Nightcrawler, but you can be characters like Armor or Magic or Forge. Yes, Forge, KGZ87. Forge. I know you said you liked them on our episode. <laughs> so, yeah, and this game is exciting. It's... Uh, there's different scenarios you can play. Like if you choose Magneto as your, I guess we'll call him mastermind or villain, then um, it changes kind of the way you play it and what cards are going to be played. It is a card-based game, but it's also a dice-based game. So you have to work together with your other X-Men teammates to roll dice, and depending on the symbols you get, you have to get the correct symbols to defeat that Sentinel or that event or that villain. And it's even more, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, It has even more playability because each character has an assist card. So if Alan and I go to the same mission, then we can exchange assist cards and we get an extra um, play option from that assist card. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a very uh, fun and very interesting interpretation of X-Men and I'm here for it. Yeah, and you when you had mentioned, you know, there's no Nightcrawler, you also talked about, or you told me anyways, that there's probably going to be expansion packs, so we'll probably see Nightcrawler in this game sooner than later. Yeah, there's so many X-teams, I fully see, you know, lots of expansions. Like, oh my gosh, when I was looking at X-Men Mutant Insurrection, I've been wanting to get the Power Rangers game also and there were like six different expansions at least that they had i was like oh these people who make these games know that i'm obsessed with games and i need every single one so yeah that's where my money's going yeah yeah so as somebody who i would say you're a little more of a casual board gamer what is your take (laughs) on mutant insurrection it was fun it's i think it's great it a lot of people can play it because the rules are pretty straightforward um, when you play it correctly. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> there are times when we, um, you know, some rules that we might have missed here and there. But no, overall, it was pretty fun. Um, the whole, like, dice play and trying to, like, match um, is pretty cool. And then having all the different powers that you can get from either assisting from a, another player or getting it from a, a mutant that you draw. Um, It's pretty cool, too. I have to say my favorite person to play so far has been X-Men and or (laughs) has been Iceman in his little black tight shorts. Wow. Yum. Wow. But he had a fun power, too. He's good. But in those little shorts. Yum. Are you sure you're playing the game right? Anyway. (laughs) uh, Also, on this little island of Krakoa, we also have um, coming up this year the Hellfire Gala. Ooh. Yeah, this is going to be a fun event, I think. I've already started seeing artwork for it. Basically, um, the two most fashionista X-Men, Emma Frost, and if you've heard of him, Jumbo Carnation, who's a very flamboyant um, fashion mutant who, a while back, he got killed. But then, of course, now on 
on X-Men rules now everybody's come back, but they're putting on the Hellfire Gala, and the artists are having a lot of fun in putting the X-Men in the most up-to-date fashion trends possible. Like, if you were to see some of these characters, there's big old giant furs, there's like 80s loose pants on Angel, Rogue has big old hair, uh, Rachel Summers looks like she's about to, you know, flog you and tell you to stay down. Oh, wait, that's the... I can't talk about that on this show. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's these fashions are incredible. So um, I'll put a link in our episode so you can take a look at those. But I'm really excited to see some of these. So it's basically the Met Gala for superheroes. Basically, yes. <laughs> yes. And Nightcrawler and Psylocke are there. That would be cool, though, if they do recreate some of these and just do, like, a real-life fashion show. And that would be cool to be some of these at cons. Yeah. For our um, cosplay listeners. And it would be fun to be some of these for Halloween and have nobody recognize you unless they've read these comics. Yeah. Make sure to tag us if you actually do this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So going back to um, the parks now, um, we're excited to see that... Disney released a couple limited edition pins uh, just in time for St. Patrick's Day. Um, We have um, one featuring Donald Duck, actually, with a bunch of four-leaf clovers. And he's actually wearing, like, it looks like four-leaf clover glasses that he's looking through, which is pretty cute. And it's obviously all green. Um, And then there's also another one. um, It's a... uh, it's themed after the small a small world, but it's actually the churro cart outside of the small world. So it's uh, showing Mickey holding a churro, um, you know, uh, posing right in front of the, the it's a small world. Um, so these both both of these pins are limited edition. Um, so hopefully, if you are interested in these, that you can get your hands on them. Um, but they are both um, nineteen ninety nine each. So get some before they sell out. And then also for those who have watched um, Raya and the Last Dragon, this is actually something um, really exciting to announce. I didn't realize it. Like I saw the whole cast list and it didn't really come to my mind, but um, Raya actually made history um, casting the first trans actress. Um, Her name is Patty Harrison. You might recognize her from Shrill um, on Hulu. Um, but yeah, she was one of the voices. I believe she's like the tribe leader in, I think, the Tail Tribe. Um, but yeah, she, you know, was one of is Disney's first trans actress uh, in a Disney movie. So that's really exciting. So this movie, amazing as it is, is you know breaking a lot of um, what's the word barriers. Barriers, exactly. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. So. Thanks, and Disney. yeah, if you haven't seen Raya yet, or if you have, there is a very kind of queer feel to it. The whole time we were watching it, Rachel was yelling at the TV, kiss her! <laughs> kiss her! <laughs> so I won't say who, I won't say how, but I know something's starting right now. Because we're getting a new show on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Well, a new old well, show. Yeah. I, I love this show when I was a kid. So this is basically, this was a 90s uh, Disney Channel movie or Disney Channel TV show. Um, it was called Adventures in Wonderland. The White Rabbit on rollerblades. Yes, and we had a very fierce um, Red Queen or Queen mm-hmm. of Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, basically, if you ever watch the show, um, you know the the movie doesn't end 
after or the the story doesn't end after the movie um alice is actually goes can go back into wonderland through a magical mirror and um you know see all her all of her friends that she made um, when she went back to wonderland um but yeah we're really excited disney plus um is bringing that back april 30th so check that out yeah yeah and the next Marvel show that everybody's talking about is not the one that's on TV at the moment. <laughs> it's actually Loki, which is tracking to be the most popular MCU series. Yeah. And and I guess they actually have like data to back this up. I'm a data nerd, sorry. But there's a company called TV Time, and they actually like surveyed a bunch of people and asked them, like, are you interested or do you know um, what the show is? And actually at the same time period prior to the release of Falcon as well as Wanda even um, a lot of people I think 67% um, of the people that they screened knew about Loki and were excited about Loki so um, yeah I'm 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 actually surprised honestly uh, because I don't know I thought like Wanda vision would have probably had a lot more excitement because it's like the first Marvel live action TV series. Um, but yeah, why do you think that is? Um, I would say because I think people weren't, they didn't know what to expect with WandaVision. So like I was, I was more excited for WandaVision than Loki. Um, I'm still excited for Loki, but when you, when I look at the two characters side by side, like Tom Hiddleston stole everybody's heart as Loki. Like he mm -hmm. made everybody love that character. Cause before, we saw him in the movies. He was kind of like a whatever villain. Like, why does he wear that on his head? Um, <laughs> so I think just the character himself, he's become such a big part of the MCU. And as being that, you know, that Loki that you never know what side he's on. He's kind of like Mystique in that way. He's really created a lot of intrigue around him. And I think a lot of people were upset that he was possibly dead and gone. So having a whole show, not only bringing back the character, but bringing back Tom Hiddleston, and then also mixing in the fact that it's going to delve even more into the multiverse from what we saw in the December previews, I can see why people are chomping at the bit to get to Loki. Chomp. Chomp, 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 chomp. I was trying to do Pac-Man noises. And also some exciting news with uh, in the movies of Disney. Um, they just announced that Peter Pan and Wendy. Uh, they're if you didn't know, they're starting a or they're starting to film a live action um, film of Peter Pan and Wendy based on the cartoon. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, they they actually just talked about starting production in Vancouver in Canada. Blame can what. <laughs> In Vancouver, Florida. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's really exciting that they're moving forward with it. And they also announced the casting of some of the um, characters uh, playing the lead role of Peter Pan. His name is Alexander Maloney. He was previously in a movie called um, The Reluctant Landlord. And then um, they're also bringing in um, the daughter of Mila jo Jovovich and director Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, her name's Ever Anderson. Uh, so she'll be starring as Wendy. And also in the cast, we have Jude Law as Captain Hook and um, Yara Shahidi, who was in um, Youngish, 
she's playing Tinkerbell. Yay! So, like, Jude Law is Captain Hook. I think that's the only one that makes me wonder a little. Like, what kind of Captain Hook do you think we're getting? Well, I, I wonder if it's, like, a younger Captain Hook. I don't think it's, like... I was thinking, well, first off, I was thinking, like, oh, maybe it's, like, the prequel of, like, Peter Pan and Wendy, but they never grow up. They're always kids. So they're yeah. the same age. Or Peter Pan, anyways. Well, because when I think of, like, Hook from the cartoon, he was so, like, over the top and always yelling, but I don't see Jude Law being that Hook. I, I can, well, he's a good actor. He I is. think he can do I it. I like him. Yeah. I'm just curious. Out of all the casting you just said, because he's the only one I know out of all those names, um, <laughs> I just, I'm interested to see what he brings to the role. Yeah, I mean... I don't think any anyone can beat Christopher Christopher Walken. Yeah, see, he was Captain like Hook. the best Hook. <laughs> <laughs> and more on Disneyland reopening on April thirtieth. That's the official date that's come down the uh, the news news trail yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh it's opening but no screaming on roller coasters no yeah california is basically telling all theme parks that yeah you could reopen your rides but none of the guests could scream because that could i mean no i i totally get it like screaming can cause particles in people's mouths to you know spread out and we don't want that um but i'm just like it's it's funny because how could you not Scream on a roller coaster. Well, and how do you enforce that? Like, yeah. Stop the ride every time somebody screams. I'm, <laughs> I'm just picturing people like riding um, the Incredicoaster, just like. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you still have to wear a mask on the coaster? Because if you're wearing I, a mask, I would think it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of hope they do. I'm yeah. just trying to picture like if I could wear a mask on a roller coaster, I think it's feasible. Yeah, but. We'll see. We'll Unless see. they install, like... Because remember when they had um, Malaboomer and they had those, like, scream shields? Ugh. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do something like that. I didn't like that ride. I love that I like drop rides, so I, I like, like that ride. I like Supreme Scream. I've never been on that one. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Speaking of oh, jeez, Alan. Yes. You recently watched a Disney movie you had never seen before. The Lion King. <laughs> Alan, you recently watched The Black Cauldron. Yes, I did. After our episode on it. Yes. How did you like it? I I enjoyed it. Um, I know the movie didn't do well uh, when it first got released, which is unfortunate. I, I think, you know, it was a good movie. It wasn't like the best, like, oh, my gosh, this is like the best movie ever. But, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was. And, um, you know, there's a lot of cute characters. There's like the, the pig. Sorry, I don't know any other Headwind. names. Headwind. And then the, like, Stitch kind of... Gurgi. Gurgi, yes. <laughs> and then we also have Link and Zelda, too. Those ones you got right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think Disney should go back to the Disney vault. And because right now there's a huge trend of doing a bunch of, like, live action. Like, it would be really cool to see this movie as a live action movie. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. And I feel like since it's not as well-known, people wouldn't be as harsh on it. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's based on a book series, they have plenty to pull from. Yeah. And it would have good effects. Yeah. And if they just redo The Horn King. Yes. Yes, that's his name. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 
they could like even if they because Maleficent was a pretty dark movie too, so they could even like reprise that and just use the same look as him. I have to tell everyone this because it's really funny. Um, I was watching The Black Cauldron with Anthony, and Chris walked in the room right as a dragon <laughs> is flying <laughs> after Henwin the pig. And Chris takes a look at it, and he goes, are you watching Charlotte's Web? <laughs> oh, wait, no, this is Babe, huh? I was like, what movies did you watch where there's a dragon chasing Wilbur? <laughs> I want to watch that movie. Okay, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Apparently it's not. Moving on. Crickets. Yeah, so moving on. Um, this is really exciting news, and it's kind of news that's a little bit near and dear to me. Um, so Disney, Shanghai Disneyland is turning five uh, in June, um, and they're celebrating with a, a lot of um, fun celebrations for, for the upcoming year. And some of this actually might sound familiar from, like, past birthday celebrations that the other parks have done. Um, but the reason why Shanghai Disneyland's, like, you know, kind of near and dear to me is because I went to the park the first year it opened. Um, I went like January of 2017 and it opened June of 2016. Um, so, you know, I, I, it was exciting to see a park open from the start and seeing it grow. And a lot of growth has happened since those five years. Um, but yeah, some cool celebrations that they're having. So starting April 8th, um, of this year, guests will be immersed in a year of year of magical surprises. Um, the, the app that they have will be revamped and redesigned to feature the fifth birthday, fifth, uh, yeah, fifth birthday logo. Um, and then there'll also be a magical button where you can tap for magical surprise, um, that'll allow guests to enter into a lucky draw and they could win a special prize upon entering the theme park. Some of the prizes I heard was like a gift card, even an annual pass that people can win and just cool merchandise as well too. And there will also be, and this is kind of similar to what, um, you know, past parks have done before for birthdays was having a surprise squad at the park, uh, which are cast, basically cast members. That will go and, um, you know, surprise guests throughout the day, randomly um, giving them, you know, unexpected surprises, um, possibly like a button or sticker or whatnot. And then to go with the celebration, they're also premiering a new Illuminate nighttime celebration. Um, as you know, the park's nighttime show is a fireworks and projector um, type show on the castle. Uh, so they're revamping it to the theme of Disney's birthday. And then lastly, um, the feature parade of the park is Mickey Storybook Express. Um, that will also be overhauled to be rethemed to feature some uh, birthday themes. There'll actually be a new um, uh, float that will have like a three-layer birthday cake um, that'll rise four, four meters tall. And then also a few like sprinkles of birthday um birthday theming on current floats here and there as well too so very exciting for shanghai disneyland i got lost in your eyes what <laughs> <laughs> go to shanghai disneyland it's fun yay um and then all sticking with the parks uh dis the disney parks blog actually released more information about the jungle cruise overhaul that we had mentioned in a previous episode um, by introducing a new character 
So some fans of the ride itself might be familiar about this. Um, you know, there's a famous fall that you go under um, in the ride. Uh, well, you know, that was discovered by world-renowned Dr. Albert Falls. And in this article... Isn't it Schweitzer Falls? Yes, but I think Dr. Albert Falls... Like, yeah, the joke is, like, it wasn't Dr. Schweitzer who found the falls. It was Dr. Falls. <laughs> Yes. Wow. <laughs> so any, any, anyways, um, this article. Wow. Okay. Yeah, this article basically uh, interviewed uh, Dr. Albert Falls' daughter, Alberta Falls. They're just really creative with their names. Um, and she is the owner, manager, and bookkeeper, and also head mechanic of the Jungle Navigation company that owns a whole jungle cruise company um so it's really close in the theme of like the 1930s um it shows her picture in there as well too and uh, it's just an interview of kind of her experience working in the jungle cruise so i thought that was a really cute um idea that disney did yeah 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 but i'm really excited for the overhaul of jungle cruise me too i think yeah. it's gonna be fun and i like the feedback back feedback it's getting yeah you know what else is getting good feedback? What? The Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Oh my glob. By who? I got a PS5. <laughs> and as Alan will tell you, I love playing Miles Morales and I'm definitely not addicted to it. Yeah, when he told me that he wanted to talk about this game, I was like, you just want to tell people that you got a PS5. He's not wrong. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's so much fun. If you play the first Spider-Man... Um, it's very similar in the controls and in the way it's, you know, you go on side missions, you go to this, the main story. The thing that really sets it apart, I think, in my opinion, is um, Miles' Venom Blast. It brings a whole new level of combat and something else you can, like, add to the fighting. If you're not familiar with it, he has uh, a blast where when he touches somebody and uses what he calls the Venom Blast, it sends like a, I call it electric shock through them and knocks them out. And it's something that's used a lot in the comics that sets him apart from Peter Parker in that sometimes he can defeat people that Peter Parker can't because he has a special ability. So it makes the gameplay easier. And the and other that's thing like that's it, more right? fun is... <laughs> Uh, you also get to do his, um, why can't I think of the word? Like turning invisible? Cloaking? Yeah. Yeah. You like can also do that. cloak. Yeah, and it makes it fun. No. Why did I agree to you? No, that's not <laughs> at all. Um, you can turn invisible, but you have a meter, so, uh, you know, you're going to run out of time. So you have to be careful about the way you use it or the way you sneak around. <laughs> Or if you're invisible and start fighting somebody, it does make the meter run faster, so you're going to be visible sooner. So that way you can't just run through the game invisible the whole time. Yeah, because I was like, why can't you just be invisible the whole game? I just said. I know. But I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I definitely, um, looking at the comparison between the PS4 and the PS5 version, of course it does look better on the PS5. I was even playing it during work. I got paid to play Miles Morales. Wow. And uh, Chris was like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm playing Miles. He's like, what? That's a game? <laughs> so it looks very pretty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so for today's main 
news, I wanted to give a little bit of a history to two X-Men characters, Rogue and Gambit. And this is kind of what the original plan for the show was. So now that we're doing this weekly, we have more time to just choose something random like the Black Cauldron or Rogue and Gambit to focus on. So I feel like, especially with Rogue, her history has been very kind of muddled. Like, depending on who writes her, she goes through very different things. So we'll get into that, and then we'll give our opinions and some information on Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that'll be our show for this week. Yeah. Exciting. Exciting. This is a very X-Men episode. We need to do more X-Men episodes. Wow. So I find a lot of the characters in X-Men... I think people don't realize, but they came from different stories and got melded into X-Men depending on the writers. Like, for example, Wolverine was first just a villain in Hulk, and then he got he got kind of um, folded into X-Men. Uh, Rogue is very much another one of those characters. So she was originally developed to come out in the late 70s, I want to say about 78, by uh, Chris Claremont. Uh, that name probably rings a bell to any comic fan out there because he's one of the most famous comic writers and the man, in my opinion, who made X-Men what it is today. He made the Phoenix Saga. That's like, yeah, Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past. Yeah. So he's amazing. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he was on this book called uh, Miss Marvel. But he originally developed uh, Rogue and Mystique to be villains to Miss Marvel and to Captain Marvel. So that kind of got scrapped as those books got um, canceled. And then Rogue ended up sitting on a shelf for a few years until 1981. She made her official first debut in Avengers Annual number 10 in 1981. Wow. Yeah. And around this time, uh, they had just rebooted X-Men in the mid-70s. And what I find kind of funny is under the leadership of Stan Lee, like, X-Men was a huge hit when it first came out, and then it kind of, like, petered off quickly. And it got to the point where X-Men actually got canceled for a good, I want to say, about five years because people just weren't interested anymore. I think, in my opinion, the problem was it had a very small cast and people just weren't that interested in those mutants after a little while. So, basically, they came back and they wrote um, Second Genesis, which introduced, you know, Wolverine, Storm, Nightcrawler, most of the (laughs) out-of-the-country X-Men mutants. (laughs) They wanted to bring in a more dynamic team, not just, you know, the five white kids from the States. An international cast. An international cast. I like the way you put it. So then... Since they had jump-started or rebooted the... Jump-started, we'll say jump-started the series, they were like, hey, who are we going to get to take on this comic that we don't really think is going to do well anyway? They're like, hey, (laughs) give it to the new kid, Chris Claremont. (laughs) Oh. So what I find really interesting is coming off of writing for Miss Marvel, Chris Claremont was actually a big part of the um, Captain Britain comics where Captain Britain's sister is Betsy Braddock who is just a side character in those we start seeing him bring all his characters together into the X-Men fold so he brought over 
Rogue and Mystique, um, Betsy, who of course is Psylocke. He created uh, Miss Jubilee. <gasps> yeah. Oh, sorry, I like choked a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> and he also created Gambit. So I wanted to just throw it out there. Like a lot of these characters came from different places. But uh, Rogue first made her appearance in Uncanny X-Men number 158 in 1982. And it was a very rocky start for her because she's at this point, she's already absorbed Miss um, Marvel's powers. So the X-Men already don't trust her because they're friends with Miss Marvel, of course, because Chris Claremont is writing it. So, he, of course, he wants to use Miss Marvel because he doesn't have her in a series at this point. So it's because, though, Mystique forced her to absorb Miss Marvel's energy that Rogue first starts thinking, like, this doesn't feel right. I don't want to do this. So by Uncanny X-Men 171, a year later in 1983, she asks to join the X-Men because she's looking for Professor X to help her. And the X-Men go crazy. They're like, absolutely not. This woman is a villain. Villains can never be good. We don't want her. And um, eventually they start to come around because points start being made. Like, look at Wolverine. Wolverine wasn't a nice guy. Like, Storm was a thief. Like, nobody has an immaculate background. And what finally, uh, I, f I think this is really cute. This is what started making me like Wolverine in the comics. Because I think I've said this before, but I didn't like him in the cartoon that much. Because he's so, like, grumpy old man, one note. <laughs> but in the comics, he's such, like, a, a sweetheart. He's a very layered character. Because we see him bring Rogue under his wing and start taking her on missions as a way for her to prove herself to the other X-Men. And we see him do this also with um, Kitty Pride, and we see him do this with Jubilee. So he's very much that father figure to these young girls. And he, I guess the the Wolverine character in the X-Men movies too, Hugh Jackman's character, kind of did that too, right? He mm -hmm. he brought Rogan kind of and was it her mentor? Yeah, they did. Yeah. But I like the Rogue in the comics better. Well, you know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So yeah, so Rogue um, becomes a major member of the X-Men through most of the 80s and the 90s, of course. Um, I'll skip ahead a little over to Mr. Gambit. So Gambit, I know this is going to be, for those comic nerds out there, this is a very controversial su subject. But Gambit technically made his first appearance in Uncanny X-Men annual 14, which came out in July 1990. Continuity-wise, his first appearance meeting any of the X-Men is in August of 1990, but since the annual got put out in July, that's his first official appearance in the X-Men comics. So was it like, hi, I'm Gambit, I'm an X-Men, and then the next issue is like, hi, I'm Gambit, this is my story. I think the reason why people celebrate Chris Claremont and not the, not the name Alan Gines is because he's actually a good writer. <laughs> well, no, it's, yeah, because at this point, some of these comics are so random. Let me tell you that. So Storm at this point has been de-aged and depowered to about the age, I think, nine, I want to say. Oh, what's her secret? I want to know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So she's on the run, and she meets Gambit, who takes her under his wing. 
So that's what we see in the August comic and in the 1990 comic Storm and Gambit reunite with the X-Men at the mansion. So yeah, if you're reading the, the July one, the annual, it's a little random that he just shows up with Storm. <laughs> but then you learn about it next month. Yeah. Anyway, right off the bat, Gambit is a very kind of controversial character for the X-Men because nobody trusts him. And the reason why they don't trust him is he carries this deep secret. And the way it's written, we don't find out for years what the secret is. So that, I think, made a lot of intrigue for him as a character. And what we eventually find out is there was this event that happened called the Mutant Massacre, where Mr. Sinister's group of evil mutants called the Marauders went into the sewers and killed off most of the Morlocks. Wow. And this was a huge deal because this is the first time we even see Mr. Sinister. We first see him as a pair of red eyes in the end of the event, and he doesn't show up till a few comics later. So they introduce him with no backstory? That's so unlike Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so what we find out later, though, um, Gambit has ties to Mr. Sinister, and officially what had happened is Mr. Sinister had paid Gambit to lead the Marauders to the Morlocks. So Gambit feels a lot of shame over this because at the at that point in time, he just didn't really care. He didn't know and he didn't want to know what he was doing. But after he found out that they killed the Morlocks and after he's been teamed up with the X-Men for a while and wants to be good now, it's really weighing in on his conscience that he was a part of this massacre. And upon the X-Men learning about it, they're really torn on should we let this man stay with the X-Men like he was part of this murder. Did you know that Gambit did that? No. But I know that he has a French accent. And I'm just trying to picture him being sad, <laughs> moping in French right now. Wow. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for adding that. So, of course, we get the whole, you know, especially in the 90s, we get the whole, you know, Gambit chasing after Rogue. Why don't you be with me? One thing that I think is really funny, I'm just going to point this out, is every freaking mutant hater in the comics in this time has mutant dampening collars that they put on the X-Men <laughs> to make their powers go under control but yet rogan gambit never thought like hey let's slap on a collar <laughs> and get it on <laughs> true <laughs> right so um, i'll just say that now more to come on that soon so we see a lot of weird things happen like at one point gambit even becomes a horseman of apocalypse he turns all like gross blue looking with white hair and they did some interesting stuff there with him where um once he's cured and not a horseman anymore, kind of like Archangel, like you don't come out of that experience being completely right. So he almost has this evil persona inside of him for a while. And this is where we also get in the kind of 2000s era, we get a lot of different takes on Rogue. Um, and the reason I say that is she goes up against the Hecatomb I think that's a funny name, the Hecatomb, with the X-Men. Hecatomb. bless you. <laughs> and uh, she absorbs the Hecatomb in order to stop it. But in doing that, she absorbs more than 8 million consciousnesses at once. 
That's Hecatomb. Hecatomb. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no word of the day. <laughs> so this drives her crazy. Like you can't have that many consciousnesses inside you. And she eventually goes into a coma. And this really upsets Mystique. So Mystique is trying to find a way to get her little baby rogue back. And this is, it's funny because in the movies and the cartoons, Mystique's like always teaming up with people like Magneto or Apocalypse. But in the comics, she's always the leader. Like she doesn't bow to no one. But this is one of the first times we see her join a team. She teams up with Mr. Sinister and his Marauders. And um, Rogue is still in a coma and she's talk, uh, Mystique's talking to Mr. Sinister. And in order to take him out, she pushes him into Rogue. Rogue <laughs> absorbs him to death. And at this time, Baby Hope had showed up. So Baby Hope is the first mutant to be born in this whole like wasteland of mutants not being born. So she's a, a very special baby. And Mystique's like, this baby is supposed to bring my rogue back. So she presses the baby to Rogue's oh head. Gosh. Right? Rogue wakes up. Luckily, baby Hope is a special child. And she's not affected by this because she's, like, uber powerful, it turns out. That's very hopeful. I know. It was. <laughs> and then um, Rogue comes back. But she doesn't have her Miss Marvel abilities for a time. Right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Are we? Okay. 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 We're on okay. the same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, working with Professor X, she eventually learns to gain control over her powers again. She even gets to a point where she can control her powers. So she can control it where she's not going to suck your life essence or mutant yep. power right, away. Sorry. What? You said, oh, so, sorry. It's not. Yeah, I get it now. It's a family show. I get it now. Yeah. So what's great about this is after, you know, real time about 30 years of Rogue <laughs> wow. not being with Gambit because she can't control her powers, she gets control over them and she's like, hey, sugar, we can be together now. So I'm going to go be with the with Magneto. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so Rogue and Magneto end up being an item for a while, which I have to say, whenever... Rogue and Scarlet Witch come into contact. It was really funny because they're about the same age, and Rogue is dating Scarlet Witch's dad. I thought that would elicit a response from you, but it didn't. So no, I'll go just ahead. Like, I'm, <laughs> just like it, it happens. Yeah. So yeah, they dated for a while until um, <laughs> things kind of fell apart with Rogue and Magneto. And then Rogue started showing interest in Gambit. And then Gambit was like, no, Shari, I want you to want me. <laughs> I can't do his accent. Wow. He basically is like, I want you to want me because you want me, not because you're alone. And now yeah. he doesn't want her. Like a uh, rebound guy. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I kind of like part of me was like, ah, really? They're still not <laughs> together. But the other part of me was like, you go, Gambit. Yeah. You, you be you. <laughs> Wee oui, wee. Oui. Oui, oui. So, and I have to add this here because I have to add it somewhere. For all of you Gambit lovers out there, for all you Disney lovers out there, Gambit has three cats and their names are Figaro, Lucifer, and Oliver. And I just love that touch. At the same time, I'm like, 
Gambit has three cats and they're named after Disney. Like, is he gay? <laughs> of course, I want him to be. You can charge me up anytime. <laughs> wow. wow. Do you know what movies those are from? Figaro, Lucifer, and Oliver? Oliver and Company? Yes, yes. Figaro is the, or one of the cats, I think it's Figaro, from uh, Cinderella. No. No. Pinocchio! Oh, Pinocchio. Yeah, and Lucifer is from Cinderella. Yes, I said one of the cats. Oh. One of the other two cats. Well, you started with I started Figaro. Figaro. I was like, maybe it's Whatever. Lucifer. <laughs> I'm just trying to cheat. I know. I learned from the best. <clears throat> so then, um, coming to the last leg of our journey here, uh, in 2018, Kelly Thompson wrote uh, the Rogue and Gambit series, which... If you haven't read it, I would read it, especially if you're a Rogue and Gambit fan, because Kelly Thompson understands Rogue like no one else does. And I guess I kind of skipped over it, but we go through this weird period where Rogue is cured. Then she like gets to a point where she doesn't have to touch people. She can like mimic up to five powers at once where you get this really cool like winged rogue with nightcrawler blue skin and a tail with like a metal apocalypse or i keep saying apocalypse instead of the who i'm supposed to say wow a metal colossus arm with like psylocke's butterfly over her face it's the coolest picture and an apolo- apocalypse yeah an apocalypse shut up <laughs> and then the next writer comes along and, and breaks her again so she can't control her power she absorbs energy again but just by touch which brings us to Kelly Thompson's 2018 Rogue and Gambit, where Sean's long-standing question about the mutant uh, callers is finally addressed. Finally. Yeah. Kelly, thank you for putting this out there, but um, she writes into her stories, because there's another one after this, that, yes, Rogue can wear the power-dampening collar, but it gives her a headache. Like, it just doesn't feel good having your power suppressed. So, yeah, she can get sex, but it's not the same because she's giving up something else for it. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's not like an easy fix. Yeah. But leave it, leave it up to a woman to figure that yes, out. Yes, exactly. Woman knows sensuality, which is yeah. why we're gay. and uh in rogue and gambit it's such a cute story um because rogue and gambit have to go undercover to a couples therapy (laughs) island where mutants are disappearing so since they've had this tumultuous past they're the most obvious choice to go and act like a angry couple because they are basically one so they go through this therapy program and they even have to like go through this program where they have to look at their past events and see kind of what led them through things. Long story short, they have to fight like the boss level people together. And it's just such a fun journey. And through those comics, we see Rogue and Gambit get back together. Finally, in 2018, they are together again, officially. Make sure to pack those colors. Mm -hmm. And in June, June of 2000, 18 we see a big event happen we see the wedding of kitty pride and colossus another couple Mm. with a very random backstory so basically on the wedding day colossus's little sister magic uh who's best friends with kitty 
says to her, you know, are you sure you and my brother are right for each other? Like, if you were meant to be together, you'd be together and not have all this crazy past. And unfortunately, that sends Kitty kind of off the deep end. And she's like, oh, oh, no, (laughs) she's right. And so she doesn't marry Colossus. But Rogue and Gambit at that wedding are like, hey, it's a wedding. We're all here. Wow. Let's get married. So they take over the wedding day and get married. Is that symbolic of Rogue, how she takes powers <laughs> from people? So she takes weddings from yeah, people, too? Yeah, she takes weddings, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then that same year, um, Kelly Thompson comes back because uh, Rogue and Gambit was so popular in getting them back together. It actually inspired Marvel to let Kelly come back and write Mr. and Mrs. X. So now this is mm. a six-issue series where we see Rogue and Gambit married, of course, they go to go on their honeymoon, and everything goes wrong. They end up in Shi'ar space, the aliens who um, hate the phoenix. And there's this whole thing about uh, a baby and an egg that they have to save. And this is actually officially where we learn about the collars. I jumped the gun. I was so oh, excited wow. to tell you about that. I'm used to the alliance line. Yeah. But, you know, the artwork on Mr. and Mrs. X and Rogue and Gambit, it's so pretty. The mm-hmm. stories are so much fun. Uh, I used to actually send screenshots to my friends as I was reading these because it was just so exciting to see these two as a couple. Yeah. And they've been together ever since. They should do like a sitcom style show about them. Oh, like where Rogue is forcing them through different periods? Yeah. Wow. I don't know why Marvel hasn't thought of that. Do you like Rogue and Gambit (laughs) as a couple? I do. Well, I... (laughs) I always forget that they are a couple, um, but you know, like the idea of them together is cute. Um, but yeah, I do feel bad for Rogue because she, you know, she can't. In I mean, in the beginning, anyways. Now that she has a collar, but you know, she had she can't touch people. Can't touch this. Dun, yeah, exactly. Well, if it makes you feel better, currently we are at a spot again where during Mister and Mrs X. She learned to control her power again so she can get it on with Gambit without having to wear a collar. Wee wee. I wonder if she if she were to take his powers, if she were to take his accent too. <laughs> that happened once. I'm trying to remember. Really? <laughs> I think she did. <laughs> and before we get to our Falcon and Winter Soldier opinion and review, for those of you who didn't watch as of yet... Um, I'm going to take us into our Cover Disney, and then as soon as Cover Disney is over, that's when we will get into our spoiler review of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. So this week, I wanted to take it back a little. I haven't really done much with Marvel and Cover Disney. We barely talk about Marvel. What's that? (laughs) So I wanted to highlight, actually, the Ramones. They did a cover of the Spider-Man theme song. Ooh. Yeah, and um, I think it's fun, and I want you to listen to it now. Play. Okay. All right, so that is a little bit of Spider-Man by the Ramones. Did you like it? I did. I like how they covered um, that song that that 
Asian lady was playing in the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> good memory. Really good. <laughs> All right. So as promised, let's get into our Falcon and Winter Soldier. How did you like the episode? It was good. I, I'm i really hoping that this show does well and just continues the momentum that the MCU is doing for live action uh, TV series or yeah, TV series is, <laughs> um, but no, it was good. Very action packed. I think that's probably like one of the things that it's going to, we're going to be looking forward to for every episode. Um, so right now, spoiler alert, you know, the, the Falcon and the winter soldier, they haven't met up yet or they're not together yet. So I'm we're, surprised by that. Really? Because it's called Falcon well, and Winter yeah. Soldier. And all like the previews are like them together. So I, yeah. I, I am curious to see how they're going to meet up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of giving a little backstory of, you know, both of their characters, um, I guess, after the snap, post-snap. Yeah. Yeah. And after, the big one is after um, Steve Rogers' death. Yes. But yeah, this one, um, right away it struck me that like, WandaVision started with a lot of story and that kind of turned people off. And this is like complete opposite. <laughs> we barely got story and we yeah. got some really cool action. So I like that they're uh, differentiating the shows that way. Mm-hmm. But um, something to look out for is we were introduced to Joaquin Torres in the show, which is the younger guy who got hurt in the fight who's buddies with Sam. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely someone to look out for. I won't see why but he is somebody in the comics but the one that i did want to talk about a little bit more is john walker who we're introduced to at the very end of the episode right before the credits he walks out dressed as captain america yeah and we were like but captain america is dead who's this new guy yeah and right off the bat this brings up some interesting questions for me because John Walker, if you're not familiar with him, he is a U.S. agent who was somebody who took on the Captain America moniker, but he changed the name because he felt like Captain America like was his own individual person and stood for something bigger than what he was, and he wanted to like do something different behind the shield. So he took on the shield, and... The reason I think this is going to bring up some interesting questions is we have Sam Wilson, who we've seen throughout the movies. He's a hero. He earned the shield. Steve wanted him to have the shield, but he feels timid about taking up that shield in his hand because he feels like it's not his to take. And then we have U.S. agent who the government has chosen to take up the shield as a symbol of America. So I think we're going to see some questions come up like, is America ready for a black man to represent us? And I know in like the real world, we had Obama represent us as the president, but not everybody was happy with that. But I think another interesting question to bring up, too, is... U.S. agent was very violent in the comics as Captain America. Like, he took on the shield, and some people saw him not all the way as a hero. He was almost, like, he didn't kill people. He wasn't Punisher status, but he definitely was a little rough with people. So I think we're going to see this question of who has America decided to put in this role? Is he fit for this role? Are they going to have to cover up any of the actions he's taken? 
are taking. And, um, and I think there's going to be almost a comparison of we have this, sorry to get into so much race talk, but I really think that Marvel's going to do it. I think we're going to see, you know, a white hero not quite playing by the rules versus an upstanding black hero. And I think we're going to get a taste of how America views them right and wrong, whose side they take right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is a part where we're going to see, because it, it seemed like throughout the years, Captain America wasn't always the same person. Like there were different Captain Americas throughout the years and marvel's history so just seeing like a a sam wilson character you know might not be the same skin color that we're used to seeing for captain america or even now with a gay captain america i think this is a great message out there just to show like this is all of america like america is not just like a you know blonde hair blue-eyed person so yeah I, i i i'm excited you know, in addition to the action that we're going to see for the show, I think it, in the end it's going to tell a really great message um, for for everyone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm excited for the series. I think that's why I keep saying I think this is going to be the series that people aren't excited for, but we're all going to be surprised about yeah. because it's going to introduce new people and it's going to ask some interesting questions of us. Yeah. Whereas I think with WandaVision and Loki being more kooky, they're the ones that we're more drawn to, but this is the one that we need to and will want by the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for you. Oh. I'm, I'm, am I in it? No. Oh. <laughs> All right. That is everything we have for you. Yes. Wow. Just kidding. <laughs> so I'm excited next week. Um... We're going to, of course, bring you more information on the second episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, in general, April next month is going to be an exciting month. I know we're not there yet, but I'm just hinting at it because we're going to do something fun. And as always, just remember to rate and review us. You can find Alan and I with Rachel on Once Upon a Cult. You can find me on Hanging with the Hollowells or my book, uh, Witches Brew, A Dream of Waking on Amazon. But real quick, I just want to share, we got a five-star review. Yay! Yay! This is from Mulan Rai. Uh, He says, so fun and informative. If you're a huge Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel fan, this podcast has it all. Not only do Sean and Alan give you the latest news for the parks, but movies and comics as well. So much laughs and information. What's not to love? What's not to love? What's not to love? Oh, full of love. Thank you. Thank you, Mulan Rai. We appreciate you. And you can always check out his podcast, Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll be back next week with more Disney Star Wars Marvel news for you. Yay. Mark Aldis. Mark- wow. <laughs> wow.